And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100%. And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John all right here we are again joshua thompson it is another edition of the weighing in podcast this is kind of like when you get the super bowl the world series the nba finals or a world championship fight you get just as excited for the the newest edition of the podcast weighing in what is going on i'm glad you didn't introduce podcast dave boo Boo! Uh, everyone, look, uh, everyone I already j- tuned out because of that noise you were making. No, no, I yeah, do. I did that. I read the comment section, you guys, and trust me, I I see you guys, but I also see all the ones that are super happy that I do that. And that was just for you guys. I'm pointing right in the camera right now. If you guys are listening to audio, I'm letting you guys know I'm doing that just for you. Boo! Podcast Dave. Boo! No, <laughs> the oh, champ. Nice. The champ. <sighs> Man, you are so lucky that love you it. were not raised by my dad. <laughs> He'd have smacked you in the head, man. Oh. I was I was a kid at the football game in the LA Coliseum, and everyone's booing the Rams. And so I start booing. I got gangster slapped to the back of the head. <laughs> <laughs> Look at him. He goes, oh. don't you ever fucking boo again. Not until you can go do better. Oh. You go do better, then go show me. Other than that, shut up. I would never boo an athlete. I'm, bo- I'm booing podcast Dave. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Totally different. Go ahead. Yeah, but, you're, but you're booing me and you're calling yourself the champ. I mean, not, you never I held would, the title. I, so. Well, yes, I did. <laughs> in the B-Leagues. Well, the B-Leagues, oh, doesn't care. Wow. Wow. The B-Leagues don't care. Oh. Wow. This guy. This is this guy. Man, I'll, I'll, I'll remember that one of you. Uh, when next time we see Gilbert, I'll tell him you call him a B-League guy. I got it's it. Right. I remember that. His wife will smack you around. <laughs> just, just, just do it as he's shaking his hand. Yeah, not right. All of them. <laughs> yeah, he said you're a B League fighter. Yeah, that's funny. Oh, that's hilarious. That's not, not good. Not oh, good. it's okay. It's okay. You know, you know those guys. It's the internet guys. They just this is, this is uh, Dave. Um. Well, let's talk. Let's talk about the well, the news. It has been a couple of days since we watched Kamaru Usman and Gilbert Burns. And I, I keep on thinking back to that fight and thinking about just, you know, the difference of a guy that's been there and a guy that hasn't fight IQ. There was a lot of incidences in that entire show where you watch guys that were really, I mean, fighting hard, but sometimes their fight IQ, you look, what are you doing? Don't do that. Right. Because they're just, they're so into going after this. This is my chance. And it's like, slow down you're gonna be okay but it, I, I feel so bad for Gilbert Burns and I love the way that you know he took the loss and stuff and uh yeah just he's a good good guy and, I, and it's not that Kamaru Usman great guy too you know I, I love Kamaru he's super nice but and feels like he doesn't get respect I think he does I think people do respect his uh, ability you, you have to he's that good yeah I feel like people aren't giving him the respect I think from the outside looking in I feel like people aren't giving the respect. I mean, like, I I had Burns probably winning the first three rounds is when I we had talked about it like, a couple weeks before. I said, look, I think Burns has the chance to win in this fight if he can win the first three rounds. And I thought he was going to be able to win the first three rounds, but no, he wasn't able to. And uh, they slowly changed. It quickly changed actually after the first round. And that second oh, yeah. round it was a completely different fight than the first round. And uh, it just it was a snowball effect. He just couldn't get oh. his feet back underneath him. He couldn't get his 
he he once you get touched like that your chin it starts to affect the rest of your chin your equilibrium your balance everything you know and the same thing to the body you hit to the body right it's like oh sure it hurts you but then every time you get touched a little bit to the body it hurts more it hurts again it's and it's real quick and it's no different than when you get hit with a really good shot and he got hit with a couple of good shots in that second round and um it just it, every time he got touched it got worse and worse and that, that happens you know um not that he won't be back he's He's still relatively, he's pretty young still, and he's got plenty of opportunities, I think, to make it back. He's got and a lot of career left. When you start looking at the people in that division, though, realistically, I think he's got a good chance of beating all of them again, whoever he fights. You know what I mean? If I look at Leon Edwards, I think he can, he's got a chance of beating Leon Edwards. He's better than Leon on the ground. He's going to have a hard time with him <laughs> on the feet. You know, he's yeah. going to have a hard time with him on the feet. But uh, I think Colby Covington's a tailor-made fight for him. I think, tell me how Colby beats him. The only way Colby beats him is by controlling him up against the cage, mm -hmm. controlling him on the ground up against the cage, making it to where his head can't move. He can't move his head, his hips. That would be the, the way that, you know, and, and grinding out, uh, you know, either I, I would think it'd be a five round because it'd probably be a main event, but especially if it was a three round, if it was the under, you know, uh, of a main event, it was the co-main or something like that. It was a three round fight. I think he'd have a better chance than that. See, I thought stylistically, I thought Colby would be would be able to beat Usman. In in, in we saw it didn't happen. But I'm saying I, when yeah, they first fought, I was thinking I think so. that he was going to be able to outcondition him and I push him to the point where Usman didn't look the same in the fourth and the fifth. But that was just I was wrong, 100. percent I was wrong. But then when you look at the way that I see Colby and Usman and and uh, Burns, I think he'd have to, he'd have to fight him and grind him out into that fourth and fifth round hard to push the pace. But he's got to avoid the submission, and I don't think he has the ability to keep Burns pressed against the fence for the full five rounds to the point where he wouldn't be able to take him down. He you know pressing him there, doing work there. I think Gilbert's got the better stand up. I know Gilbert's got the better stand up. You know he's I think he's obviously a lot faster than than him. Um, it would make for a fun fight, but I think that that would probably be a great second a next fight for for Burns. For them to fight the two of them, Leon Edwards. I don't know who he's fighting next, you know, but him and Colby would be a good fight. I think, and nobody else does either. Mazadal no. <laughs> sounds like he's fighting Usman next because of the tough, uh, you know, the ultimate fighter. The two of them being potential coaches. The one that's left out there in the cold, man, Stephen Thompson. Stephen Thompson. It, I man. honestly, I thought they were going to probably put him next because, like, even Stephen came out and said. He is the only guy in that hold in the top ten that he hasn't fought really in the top five. He hasn't fought yet. It's like why he should you would think ideally he'd probably be next. But uh I mean they're looking at the money fights, and the money fight would be Mosvidal, which makes sense, I guess. And Steven gets the gets the shaft. <laughs> it's so it's so tough when you're in that position that Steven is in because here's a guy on any given night, man, he can beat anybody because he is just a he's a He's a puzzle that you've got to figure out, and it's not an easy thing to figure it out in that 25 minutes. It's one of those things you can bring in a lot of different guys. And I can remember when, when Rory McDonald was going to fight Stephen Thompson. Uh, he uh, he brought Ray Ray Daniels in to train with him, and I thought, you know, that's smart. That's just, you know, that's a good look. That's a guy that's been in the in the ring with uh, Stephen, so perfect person to bring in. Could not. Could not answer the answer the riddle. I mean, he was trying for the Imanari roles, different things. Couldn't get him to the ground, and just was getting peppered in the stand up at times. Not heavy shots, and that's the one thing about Steven. He doesn't. He throws a ton of volume, 
but he, he very rarely sets his feet and really throws trying to knock you out, trying to hit you with that big shot. He is about volume. Even his kicks, you know, he brings them up fast. Sometimes he brings them up with power, but he is that guy. He doesn't, he never overextends and he doesn't, uh, he doesn't try to hit you hard. He just does. At times he hits you hard and it's, uh, he's a hard puzzle to figure out with that style. Everyone thinks it's going to be easy. It's not. And his takedown defense is outstanding. You know, there's only been one guy that's really given him trouble, you know, in that realm. And that was after the first fight he had with him was Tyron Woodley. In the second fight, he did much better against Steven, but he made it kind of a boring fight by the way he fought it to, to control what Steven Thompson does. But wouldn't you say that Usman's better at, at that than Tyron Woodley was? I mean, given that Usman was able to handle handle Tyron Woodley? No. Different times, different places, different people. No, I, I don't look at it that. I think that if you're going to say, could Kamaru Usman use his wrestling and get Stephen Thompson to the ground? Yeah, he could. No doubt about it. In the stand-up, is that a smart fight for Kamaru Usman? <clears throat> Fuck no. If Kamaru Usman thinks that his hands are so good that he's going to stand with a guy that's done it his whole life, and he's going to be successful in beating him there. I'm not saying that he's not going to land shots. He'll land some shots. But he's not going to be successful in beating Thompson in the stand-up. He's going to have to mix in the wrestling. By mixing in the wrestling, he creates opportunities for his hands to land and for him to get places with Steven. If he tried to make it a stand-up fight, which I don't ever think he would try to do it, I think he would try to use his wrestling against Thompson. But you know, just because one guy did it, you know, Johnny Hendricks, he wasn't successful at all. Hmm. So there's a lot of good wrestlers that have not been successful. Jake Ellenberger was a good wrestler at one time. Wasn't successful at all. Take a look at all the wrestlers that they did not have success against Stephen Thompson getting him to the ground. But what was the gap between Usman and T. Wood when they fought and the time that T. Wood and Stephen Thompson fought? It was only, what, two, one or two fights? Yeah, that's all it takes, brother. You know that. You can I sit guess. there and say whatever I you guess, want. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. That year, I, I, that year makes you. a big difference. It, it does. It does. So I mean, you yeah. can take a look. Let's see. We got podcast day bringing it up, baby. He fought against Thompson the second time, 2017, March 4th of 2017. And then fights two years later, 2019, March 2nd, against yeah. Kamara Usman and loses. Yeah, that's plenty of times for things to change. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. It is plenty of time, especially in that age gap where T. Wood was, what, 37, 38, 39, somewhere in there, right? 38, so probably 36. Well, he would have been about 36. 35, 36. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I look at, I, Usman does, does, definitely doesn't get the credit he deserves. I feel like his wrestling ability in MMA is a lot more effective than T. Woods is. And has been over the over the generation of him or whatever the decade of him fighting has been. So I, I think I think Kamara would have a little bit easier of time getting in on Stephen Thompson. Not that he would be able to get him down. I just I look at I look at I think the age. Uh, Usman's thirty three in his prime right now. Also just fighting at a really really high level. Stephen Thompson yep. being thirty seven. You know, he looks like he's slowing down a tad bit, not my much, a tad yeah. bit, you okay. know, but still very, very good. 
great at the sidekicks, great at keeping the distance. It's going to be hard for him to get past it, but in a five-round fight, which is which it would be if uh, as long as Usman was still the champion after the Masvidal fight, that fight, I I would like to see that fight only based on the fact because, like you said, it's, it's it's the only person he hasn't fought in the top five. Like I yeah. feel like we're just we're I feel like I'm at Groundhog's Day here, just watching <laughs> watching the same ones over and over again. And don't get me wrong, all those people are extremely talented. You know, I mean, how about maybe like a Burns and Covington would be a fight that I would love to see. Leon and Stephen Thompson would be a fight I'd love to see. I'd love to see that. You one. got George already fighting. You know, um, Usman that kind of locks up the whole top five right there. Well, I'm I'm glad that you've locked that fight in already. I would love to. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Bro, I would Steven Thompson and Leon would be the fight to make. Honestly, two guys on the feet, great. Leon's got a little bit more of the advantage, I think, on the ground, but can he get in and get him down? I don't think he's gonna get him down. Yeah, can he get him get in and get him down? And then you've got Burns and Covington, man. I'd love to see that fight. I just think I think I think Burns or Covington's tailor made for Burns. Just the grappling aspect of it all. Like if you take if you take him down, I think Burns is able to tap him. You know, so he's gonna have to stand. And I think Gilbert's got the better stand up. But we could see you saw what happened though. I mean you know, a couple no, you, shots you, can change you can the go game. back, go back to you know Covington's fight against RDA. Yeah, yeah, that's but, the way he's gonna fight it. Yeah, but, uh, but RDA is not. As I'm good. not saying he's as good. I didn't he's say not that. As good as him you didn't. You never heard the words. <laughs> RDA's jujitsu is just as, <laughs> good, as good as Burn. There's a lot more but, fear. There's <laughs> well, a lot more fear. There's 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 a lot more danger in certain aspects. Yeah. yeah, but you know RDA, you know, is a guy that stand up is good and everything. But Covington still, he went after him, picked him up, took him down at times. You know, got into his legs. He made it an MMA fight. Yeah, and that's why he won the fight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a gamer. He'll throw. Covington will come and he'll throw and he'll get in there and mix it up. I just, I don't think that he has the speed to do it. And let's remember RDA, even though he's fought it, they fought at 170. He's not a big guy. No, I, I agree. Mean, he, he's but, got, you he's know. got thick legs and something. He's, he's a gamer and he'll fucking throw it out with anybody. He's great. I love watching him fight, but to put him in, in, in be thinking he's the same size as Burns, which you didn't say that, but I'm saying like he burns a big guy for that way. Like him and him and Covington would make for a great fight. I'm just playing matchmaker here. I'm just off the cusp. Come on, man. Bear with me. <laughs> Just bear with me. I mean, realistically, I want to see Stephen Thompson fight someone like Leon because that gets him into that conversation for the next title shot. Leon's probably thinking like, oh, I don't want to fight that guy. But also, Leon wants to get to the title. And there's no one else they're going to give him. Like Leon and Co and Covington, Mazda already out. I mean, you can see him maybe, Leon maybe fighting Burns, but that won't happen for a long time. Leon's got to get a fight now. Stephen, yeah, Tom but, Stephen Thompson's if, ready. If Leon was, was willing to take on number 15 in Chemayev, well, he definitely would be willing to take on number five in Thompson. Yeah, I mean, this which is weird. You know what's weird to me is that the, they get on every all fighters, not just Leon, all fighters. They get on social media and they and they chirp. They all chirp. They're all out there tweeting. <laughs> they're all out there doing the tweeting. Did you say tweetering? Yeah, tweetering. <laughs> but when they're, they're tweetering, when they're when there's somebody they don't want to fight, they don't say anything. <laughs> you know because Chimeyev got pulled off and Steven's like hey how about you you know hey, I'm ready to fight and I didn't Leon didn't say anything so I understand though it's like that's a really tough fight and style it is. it's just hard he's a hard yeah. fight for anybody because of his style of fighting 
You know, it's no different than Machida, how he was for a while. Raymond Daniels, same yeah. thing. You've got guys that are that have that style of fighting that are just difficult to deal with. So, you, how often do you see a guy that stands completely sideways at times during the fight? Yeah, just yeah. not something you see a lot. And so when you you don't deal with that a lot, now I've got to do a camp to try to prepare for that. I've got to do special things, bring special people in that can can actually, you know like emulate what that guy does and does well, it, it's not, you know, an easy scenario. But I yeah. think if you're the UFC, to me, that's, if you're going to do Masvidal and Usman, putting them in tough, okay, not saying it's not a good idea, but they're both sitting on the on the bench for a while now. Yeah. Because they got to do the whole filming of the show. That filming is going to take, you know, several weeks to do. So, you know, Usman just fought, so it's it's a good time to do it. That fight's not going to be taking place until, let's say, May, June, probably. Right? Well, if you're Thompson or Edwards, you're not going to get a shot at the title. So you might as well yeah. get a fight, and especially if you're Edwards, because he's been sitting way too long. It's been almost, what, two years? It's, it's, it's been getting 18, in on there. 16 months or something like that, 18 months. I think someone was telling me. I read a thing. I read. It, it was a while. It, <laughs> I mean, I... It's, it's not all his fault. No. But, you know, it's you look and he's 29 years of age. And, man, you, if you're sitting that long, his last fight was against RDA. July 20th of 20, 2019. 2019. Jeez, man. Coming up on two years, like you yeah. said, man. Give it That's a couple a more time. months. That's a long time. Um, it is. All in one breath, though, we say Usman doesn't get the credit. As I was saying he doesn't get the credit he deserves. You know, that people are still doubting him. People are still saying that, you know, that he uh, he's boring or this or that. Look, man, he's performing. He's performing. There was I've, I've seen people. We, I read the comments. You guys know yeah. <laughs> I read the comments. So people are like, oh, he's boring. Oh, he's boring. this and that. I'm like, there's other things in there too that I'm not going to talk about because there's nothing. It's not true, or it's not been proven to be true. So just leave it all alone. He's he is an athlete. He's a damn good athlete, and um, he's making he's made adjustments throughout his career. Um, the switching of the stances, all those things. Um, he looks amazing. But, but I'm going to say this because people in the in one breath, he does deserve more credit. But in the next breath, I can't say he deserves to be considered that goat yet in comparison with GSP. we got to dial that <laughs> back, you guys. Does he have an opportunity to get there? Absolutely, he's got the opportunity to get there. He's 33 years old, another, you know, seven or eight fights which is another two years, 30, put him at 35, 36, somewhere in there. He could be yeah. in that conversation of fighting these guys. And there'll be other fighters that were going to come up in this whole conversation. You know, uh, Vicente Luque, uh, you've got, uh, who else is in there? Bula Muhammad, who we didn't talk a lot about the other day. No, but he did. He looked good. He looked phenomenal. We did bring it up. We did talk about how he did. He looked good, but we didn't talk into in depth about it. But uh, Chimeyev also is there. I mean, you've got you've got fighters that they're going to start making their way up into this conversation, and, and they're going to push him. Yep. Yes. Well. And so, but all of that being said, he's got a lot more work ahead of him before you start comparing him to GSP. Um, don't get me wrong. Well, sure, not, he's on the long fight min streak, but it's not the same. It's not only he's got work. When you're looking at GSP, when GSP came in and won the title for the second time after losing it to Matt Sarah, he comes back. Look at the streak of title wins he has. That's where Kamaru Usman is lacking 
yeah. when you're trying to match him up with GSP. You know, Kamara Usman is now on his what third? Was that his third championship fight? I believe four. Okay, you're right. Yeah, no, that that was his. He had Tyron Woodley where he wins it, Colby Covington, then Masvidal, then Burns. So that's his fourth championship fight. And that's that's awesome. It's impressive. Let's take a look and remember back on a guy named GSP that, you know, he went forever. Okay, he wins it from, you know, Matt Sarah the second time, then goes through Fitch, goes through BJ Penn, Yago Alves, Dan Hardy, you know, Remember Koscheck, a teammate of yours. Yep. Jake Shields at 129. You know the big fight. You know in Toronto where they, you know, 55,000. Carlos Condit who head kicked him. It was a great head kick too. Nick Diaz, Johnny Hendricks. You know that's a huge run, and yeah. that that's right now what separates when you, if people want to bring in Usman. Oh, he he's the best of all time. They were saying the same thing about Woodley. Oh, Woodley's the big. You know, because the UFC says something, and it just needs to be brought out. Their job, yeah, the the commentator's job, you know, Joe Rogan's job when he does, you know, the promo pack, and Dan Cormier's job, and Mike Bisping is to sell the fight and say this guy could be the greatest welterweight champion of all time, yeah. and all that stuff. That doesn't mean it's true. All right. Just saying it flat out. I love Tyron Woodley, and he's a great guy, and he's a great fighter, but he was not GSP, okay? He did not do what GSP did in that weight division. Didn't come close. Take a look at their records. There's completely a difference. And just the whole package, you look and you go, Don't, you, you can't compare that. You as you know the public, as that fan, you've got to be able to discern sometimes yeah, Joe, I know you're selling me. Okay. And that's fine. It's that's his job, but don't fall into it all the time. <clears throat> There's been great welterweight fighters. Matt Hughes was a nine time, you know, welterweight champion, as they want to call it, as far as winning fights. And look at not even close to GSP. And that was proven every time, except for the very first time when GSP was very young and mentally not prepared yeah. for that fight. You know, once he was mentally prepared, you know, he, he walked through Matt Hughes yeah. and Matt was a great fighter. I love Matt, but you know, just walk through him. And so there's just differences and you can see those differences, but right now there's never ever been anybody in the welterweight division that was better than GSP. Damn. 45 and nine, Matt Hughes. Jesus. Yeah, pretty damn good, huh? <laughs> Damn! No, I know he was good. I know he's good. He's he's probably the strongest guy that I've ever like had a chance. Dave, to. Pull, but pull, pull up, pull up GSP's thing yeah. again. Pull, pull up, pull that up. Take a look at that green. Yeah, it's just pretty goddamn impressive. impressive. I mean, look, after he loses to Matt Sarah, he's got to fight Koscheck. He's got to fight Matt Hughes. And then he fights Sarah again to win the title. And then he beats John Fitch, BJ Penn. He goes through it all. He fights Koscheck yeah. again in a fire. You know, like he fights all Dan Hardy, Tiago Alves. I mean, it's not like he had easy fights throughout that, you know, and during those times. Never. <laughs> never. Never. He was always fighting show, the best guys. Show yeah. me his easy fight. That's the whole thing. Yeah. You know, I you can go down, go down to the, bring that up past, uh, you know, keep going, keep going. Yeah. All right. His easy fight stopped at Thomas Denny. 
oh, fighting yeah. fighting up in you know in uh Quebec at the UCC. He fought Thomas Denny. Then his next fight was Pete Spratt. Pete Spratt was a tough son bitch. Yes, he and was. could kick like a freaking mule. Yeah. That dude could blast you. He was super athletic. I love yeah. Pete. You know, someone wants to say, well, he didn't have the greatest record. You're right. Okay. Then he fought Carl Parisian, who at the time was a stud and yeah. beating everybody. And he smoked him. And then he smoked Jay Heron. He loses to Matt Hughes in the championship fight and then goes on a run where he smokes everybody again. Yeah. Everybody again. You know, and you just look and go, he's the guy. I was the referee for both of his losses. You know, and the one that he lost to Matt Hughes was like, it was mental. He did not believe that he belonged in there with Matt Hughes, you know, and the, what he tapped out to with one second left in the round, you look and you go, that was just up here, you know, and that happens, you know, everyone thinks that, you know, fighters are so tough and stuff. Yes. Many of them are tough, but many of them mentally, they're their own worst enemy. And at that time that, that was George. And then he became strong, but his, his loss to Sarah, I can tell you, you know, Josh in the back, when I go back and talk to the fighters, you know, and I've been back there talking with you and stuff, you know, we go over certain things, but you can see when the fighter is ready to fight. You see when they're, you know what, they're in tune with the atmosphere and they understand, you know, exactly what they're getting into and they're ready. And that fight, I walked out of his locker room. I walked out and saw my wife and said, George St. Pierre is going to lose tonight. You know, and I didn't say it, you know, saying it, you know, I'm so smart. I was just like, He's a mess. Yeah. He was thinking about everything but the fight. He was having problems with his management. He didn't want his management in there. They were trying to get it. It was just a mess. And that's why he lost the fight. You know, he wasn't prepared to fight. Then he comes back and look at what he did when mentally he was strong and physically he was always strong. Yeah. When he fought Matt Hughes, you could tell it was more of the pressure, the buildup, the fight. I mean, that armbar was swollen. It wasn't even fully on. No, you know, and he was, he was already tapping. he was already yeah. tapping the air. Yep. I mean, I think he really it really just got to him. It was a lot too much, too fast. And yeah. you got to think about it in terms. He had three fights, and then he was fighting for the he had two fights, and he was fighting for the time. Yeah, it two was a in lot. The UFC. It was a lot yeah. for him. So, yeah. uh, but then you know he he uh, he had a great he had a bunch of great performances up until uh, he fought Matt Serra, and then he beat Matt Hughes, fought Matt Serra next, and you know we know what happened there. But then he came back and. And just went on a run. Look, I don't want to take anything away from Usman. I think he's got an opportunity no. to get to that level. I think it yeah, absolutely, absolutely does. But it comes, it's going to come over time. But I, yes. am I ready to put in there? Absolutely not. Now, when you were talking about the commentary team, look, you guys, I like to make jabs at commentary. I was the, talking about the commentary team. What when are you, you talking no, about? No, no. You said like that they like to, they, their job is to pump up the fighters. Yeah, it is. Yes, it is. No, I had made a comment the other day about as much as I want to hate to give them credit. I do that because it's D.C., and I like DC and I always give jabs at each other. There is nothing wrong with their commentary team. I love their commentary oh, team. DC, Anik, and Joe, and you know, I like Paul Felder a lot as well. I mean, they've got some good they've got some good commentary guys there. So you guys, before you guys start stirring the pot, okay, just understand. I do I I say things like that to jab at DC and I always send them the short clips of it as well. So um, but no, their job, like John was saying, is to the guys, whoever's there, whoever's the champion right now. The person who used to be their champion is not selling them any more pay-per-views. The person who's their current champion is the one that's selling them the pay-per-views. They've got to pump that person up to be the greatest of all time and will be the greatest of all time and is now currently the greatest of all time. They've got to do that. you know. And like John was saying, it's up to you guys at home to decipher through that stuff. 
But the thing, the bottom line is, is that they're doing a good job of marketing their fighter, doing the best they can. And that's their job. And uh, they, they've done it. And they're telling people that Usman is potentially in that go conversation. He, can he be? Absolutely. Absolutely. He can. I think the way he, his work ethic is from what I've seen so far, he doesn't let any outside distractions get to him. All of this stuff that happened with him and Burns having to you know stop and go separate camps and do all these things. That puts a lot of pressure on just not only just friendships, but just your mental state of like, man, it's you start questioning whether you're a good person or not sometimes. Like, I mean, it's true. Like, you yeah. got to think I'm, I'm fighting my buddy now for money. And there's a lot of mental stuff that goes on with that. And they both handle it with just nothing but class. Loved watching that fight. And do I think he's in that conversation? He can be in that conversation. But as of now, no. But can he? Absolutely. He's a phenomenal fighter. He's got the game to do it, especially in the division that he's in. He His style is tailor-made for that whole group. Um, the one that I think is going to give him a hard time, like you said, would be Steven Thompson. I think a guy like Leon Edwards who can stick and move and stay outside of there, I think within with it's been so Real many trouble. years since then, since they fought. Yeah. You know, no, it's, you're absolutely right. Look, it's been a long time. But Leon has gotten better as far as his wrestling yeah. and his ability to stop the takedown. And that is the big difference in that in that, you know, rematch if it happens. You know, and we saw Burns was able to touch Usman a little bit and get him a little a little bit of trouble. Not like he got destroyed or anything, but he got a little bit of trouble there. And Leon, no. Leon to me is just as fast, if not faster, than Burns. And he's got the cleaner striking. He's just gotta stay out of that grappling range. He's gotta stick and move and and move on. Now Steven Thompson does that naturally because that's what he's done his whole life. Since he was a three-year-old, basically, we had him on the show, and he's yeah. like, yeah, as soon as I was able to walk, get your ass to the gym, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so this, the reality is that those are the two guys that I would really like to see him fight. Now, I'm, I'm a little bit of a homer because I like Masvidal, you know, um, watched him fight for the longest time, strike force days, all that stuff. So, But I like to, I like to watch because of the buildup and the hype. But I would have liked to have seen Leon or Steven get that fight before George. That's all. Yeah. Overall, though, you know, Usman I, I, can I, I, get I, there. I want to talk, you, you were talking, you know, greatest of all time and stuff, and something was said, and you talked about you uh, saying something about the commentators. I heard there was people complaining about Rogan. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say it flat out. Joe Rogan is the greatest color commentator that the sport of MMA has ever seen or ever will see. Joe Rogan has helped make the sport of MMA. Joe Rogan brought about an enthusiasm, a knowledge base that a lot of our commentators back then didn't have. And he, it was his love of the sport of MMA that people, you know, felt coming through the screen and that, you know, their, their audio when he was getting excited about fights. Joe Rogan is special in this sport. As a color commentator, yeah, he doesn't do it near as much anymore. And they bring in, you know, other guys to do stuff. He will always be the guy. He is the gold standard of color commentators for MMA. Just flat out. That's the truth. Yeah, what are they complaining about? That he's not there enough I anymore? Know. I did hear them say, like, is he kind of weeding himself out? No, actually, I don't think he is. I think a lot of it has to do with COVID. Like, he is not someone that really wants to take that opportunity or that chance of bringing it home to his family and friends and, like, traveling. He's He's got a lot of work to do, obviously, for his own show, and he's moved out to Austin. I don't think he's weeding himself out at all. I mean, like he's, I've heard him say several times, 
I'll keep doing that shit as long as they'll have me. <laughs> and let's just be honest, they're not getting rid of him. So no. there's just no damn way. Um, he's he's phenomenal. He he really is. And I'm gonna back you hundred percent on what you were just talking about. He's he just comes in, he's he brings the energy. That's really what it takes. And if you follow along, like DC tries a lot to be how Joe was. Oh, you know, yeah. just the energy, the high level, you know, of the the thug rose like that type is not that Joe would say that but I'm saying you know what I mean no like, but it's still one of my favorite moments but when it's, someone did it but that that kind of energy that excitement is what he does and it's also trickles down to all the other the other uh, commentators to let them know like hey this is supposed to be fun this is what lightens the mood when you get there John you and I have worked as commentators for a while now and not near as long anywhere near as long as him <laughs> not even close but i'm saying that, that yeah. once you get into a groove of feeling comfortable it's so much more fun like the first two or three shows i did i was like just this is nerve-wracking like i it was i want to make sure i knew all my points that i was talking about now you just know the fighters and sure you do the updated research on every single time you do a show on every fighter but it's like, you know them now. You've talked about them several times. You're you're there, K-Shot, with them. You're in the fighter interviews. It's just now, it's just fun. You know, you yep. try to get better every single time. You try to get 1% better than you were the time before. And that's every time you just try to get better. He's got it. He's pretty much got it down, you know. And I, I, I guess I agree with you. He is kind of that gold standard right now of how to, how to make people feel welcome and enthused about their fighters and who they who they have it could be the shittiest fighter on the roster but he's going to make you feel like that person is one of the best and the thing is those fighters that sometimes right now with no crowd they hear them and they they probably fight 10 times harder because of that and i think he uh, does a fabulous job absolutely you know do you know how many of those fighters fight so hard just so they can talk yeah to joe <laughs> rogan after the fight man that's a special moment to him and that's what he yeah. has brought, you know? And so I just wanted to put it out there. Hey, the guy is the gold standard. Everyone wants to be as good as Joe Rogan has been. True. He's done, he's done a fabulous job. But like you said, he's done a, enough. He's done something to catapult this sport into the next level. And every, I think every fighter should be thankful. Hey, I like the fact that Julia Marquez actually got, and I, I'm hearing stuff about people saying, this is what a guy that has no dates does. <laughs> Come on, man. He threw it out there and she responded. Loved her response. I love too. that. I loved her response. For those of you guys that don't know, uh, Miley Cyrus, he said he asked Miley Cyrus to be uh, his Valentine. Be his Valentine. That's it. And uh, she replied. Um, what was the reply, though? It was like her reply was, I'll tell you what, if you shave an MC in your chest hair, you got a deal. That's awesome. <laughs> I thought it was great. She said, she said, uh, happy Valentine's Day, love. My love. Yeah. That's that was awesome. Great stuff, then, man. But then he came back and I think he kind of screwed it up. Oh, of course. Because oh, over Twitter he said something about he goes, I'll tell you what, I'll make you I'll do it if you put a henna tattoo of Cuban missile crisis above your above your belly button. I and I was like, Ah, way to go, Marquez. You yeah. just blew that one. Yeah. yeah just yeah. fucking get out the fucking clippers and fucking <laughs> Figure out how to do MC upside oh, down. Oh, so. jeez, man. <laughs> you ruined it, buddy. I know. She could have been the one. Could have been it. <laughs> All over it. Oh, but, man. This is great. Absolutely uh, amazing. I love the fact that he did that. I thought it was great. You know, have fun. This is supposed to yes. be fun. And, you know, you get an opportunity. You get the mic. I thought he did a great job with his hashtag UFC, you know, loudest or something, whatever it is. But And then he did the thing with her. I thought, you know what, 
he had a great night because he was getting beat. He got the comeback submission. It was an awesome win for him. And then he did all that. I, I can't wait to watch him in the next one. So I thought he was fun. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, okay, so let's get right into this uh, this uh, card coming up this week. You've got yeah. Curtis. You've got Curtis Blades versus Derek Lewis. I'll tell you what, I love the Black Beast. <laughs> he is just fun. I don't care. The only time that I've I've ever you know I think said a bad I don't want to say it was a bad word, but anything bad about Derek Lewis was in his fight with Francis Ngannou. Where I said they both fucking lost. They both suck. <laughs> You know, other than that, he's always been fun. He's exciting. You know, this is his kryptonite, I believe, in fighting Curtis Blades. This is his hardest type of matchup. A guy that is a good wrestler, a solid wrestler, and can take him off of his feet, take him out of that position where he's got all that power. But I can tell you right now, Curtis Blades cannot end up underneath Derek Lewis in this fight. Derek Lewis is, you know, the black beast Fedor when it comes to ground and pound in the top position. That dude can hit with power. It is scary how hard he hits when he is in the top position on the ground. So Curtis Blaze can take him down. Do not make the mistake of letting that that takedown turn in any ways. You got to be solid in your head position, everything, because you do not want to end up underneath Derek Lewis, he is a monster in the top position. Yeah, ask Volkov. <laughs> oh, dude, you could ask it. Ask, ask uh, Travis Brown. Ask oh. a bunch of people, man. I am telling you, I've been in there. When he hits guys, you hear it. You hear them squeal. You hear them moan. You go, oh, God damn. He is strong. And I, I really love the fact he's getting better as far as his conditioning is yes. way better. His fight against, you know, Olenek. He, it was his conditioning. He didn't get tired where he normally did. And I think that that's going to be a difference maker in this because Curtis, we've seen, you know, his takedowns are good, but he does burn a lot of en- energy in trying to get those. And if Lewis can just use the cage as a balance point and just fight into those and, and, and put that weight that he has on Curtis a little bit and get him a little bit tired, look, He's got a chance in this. I, I will never go against Derek Lewis. I love watching him. Yeah. But if you're going to say who's the favorite in the fight, the favorite should be Curtis Blake. Should be. Should be. But, I mean, like, Derek Lewis, is, he's come around with his new commitment to his conditioning. Yeah. You know, and – realistically like all he's got to do is slow curtis blades down just a tad bit and if he's able to touch him it could be lights out irene you know what i mean like it's i mean and like you said he cannot end up on bottom so if he snub if he snubs on a takedown he ends up on his butt and Derek lewis ends up on top it's it could be lights out there as well i mean but overall like all Derek lewis needs to do is increase his conditioning a tiny bit with a little bit more output and just stuff takedowns and just touch, touch, touch. And eventually the big punch will come. He doesn't yeah. even need to land. Dude, like, he doesn't need what? to load up. He just throws. Don't, yeah, him. just don't swing hard. Just swing and throw the shots to touch him. Yeah. Just touch him. And the big one will come. You know he cuts weight, right? Oh, <laughs> you know dude, he's got to cut weight. He used to cut weight. He used to eat ribs in the back. 
I am not kidding you. I watched the man eating barbecued ribs before he went out and fought. This is <laughs> I was like, that was against Roy Nelson. I was like, you're, you're not eating those. He goes, oh, damn right. They're delicious. <laughs> like, All right, dude. I thought we you're weren't allowed to have food eat. in the back. Oh, yeah. Well, that's uh, sometimes it comes in and that's just what happens. Oh, it man. depends on where you're at, especially in Vegas. Yeah. They're pretty good about, hey, you know, they'll check and they'll say, there's nothing in. That's fine. You want some food? Eat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd always bring like uh, chicken and broccoli with me. And yeah. they would they'd make me eat it before I went into the locker room. Like it was a big difference. I'm like, ridiculous. <laughs> so you, and it used to be like that, but you know, things have changed, thank God. Yeah. You know, but uh, you know, you look at this fight, he does possess the one thing that has given Curtis Blades problems in the past because like Curtis has got two losses, right? Both of them to Francis Ngano. And you, if you look, you know, it's that power, and we know that Derek Lewis has got that power, he can yeah. hurt you. And so, you know, this is a fight. It's going to be interesting to see. I'm not saying that, you know, uh, Blades has not fought other guys. That, you know, any heavyweight throw and has some power. But there, there are those special guys that it's not just power. Yeah. It's, you know, electrocute you power. It's like yeah. getting tased. So it, it should be a fun one. I think it'll be fun. And oh, it's yeah. how, I love watching Derek Lewis fight. <laughs> <laughs> I love watching him fight, John. Look, you, what's the rest of the card right here? That's the Caitlin Vieira against Yana Kunskaya. 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 Andre Arlovsky against Tom. Ooh. Tom, Ooh. Tom Aspinall is going to be good, man. Frank Frank Mir's son. <laughs> Frank, yeah, his nephew at least. Yeah, his yeah. Eng, his English nephew. <laughs> You think this is too much, too fast for him? Uh, I don't know. You know, the one the big difference, he's a good grappler. He just doesn't sometimes. Uh, he goes out throwing. And he's got to be careful with Andre. Andre's, you know, he's still slick when it comes yeah. to the stand-up at times, even though he's he's worried about getting hit, you know, hard. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a actually appropriate fight at this time. For both guys, as far as Andre's getting a young guy, a guy who's not real seasoned but has skills. Yeah. And uh Asmol's he's getting that guy that he can put that that nice name on his record. So it'll be an interesting fight. I can't believe Andre Alowski's still fighting. Yeah. Amazing. Like I'm thinking, like, think about the guys that are still fighting right now. No, no. If you go back and you take a look at Andre Arlovsky when he came into the UFC, it had to be somewhere, it was in the twenties. Think about that. He was he was part of the UFC somewhere back in UFC, let's say 27, 28, I would say. He yeah. fought uh Aaron Brink. 28. Boom. 28. Look at that. Jeez, man. Look at the big brain on Brad. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Aaron Brink was his first fight. They lost yeah. to Rico Pedro. Man. Just it's yep. been a long time. UFC 28. Oh, it's amazing. When you think about it, it is absolutely amazing. How many how many fights does he have in the UFC? It's got to be 30-some fights. Damn, in the UFC. You'd have to count it up. I'm, yeah. I'm too old to count Well, you have – who, who's still active that is still kind of around that? You've got Arlovsky. You've got Robbie Lawler. Is Lawler done? Is he still going? 
Well, Robbie wasn't until, you know, UFC 37 and a half. That was Actually, his first he was, fight? He was, no, he was one before that. He was one before that, right? Yeah, against uh, uh, Aaron, Aaron Riley. Aaron Riley. Yeah, Aaron Great Riley. fight. Yep. Yeah. It was, was, it there, was a really good fight. There was a 37 and a half? Yes. Yep. See, look at He was there for 37. Yep. And then 37 and a half. That was a show they threw together for the greatest sports show. On NBC. On No. No, no. It was on NBC. It was on Channel 11 at the time. Oh, was it? It's quite embarrassing. No, I was supposed to be on that show. Yeah, I was supposed to. I got hurt. That's how Eve Edward got into the UFC. So he fought that fight for me because I got injured the week of. Frank Shamrock Spiro with me in the spine, bruised my spine. Oh, nice of Frank. Yeah, lovely guy. <laughs> Just fucking lovely. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I was supposed to fight Joao Perini. Oh, Joao Perini. Yeah, Joao Perini. Yeah. Uh, that would have been a good fight for you. Yeah, would have been a good fight. Yep. But then after that, I mean, how did I beat him? The sh the next fights would have been like guys like Matt Sarah and other, you know, and then. Would have been well, tough. Matt was fighting at 170 when he first came in. Yeah, but he, he had made his cut back down because of yeah. the, they were supposed to start doing that that uh, lightweight tournament, I guess. Yep. Remember it was BJ, Dean oh, Thomas. Yeah. Well, uh, they did because Matt yes. fought Dean Thomas. Yep. You know, and uh, they kind of screwed that whole thing up. No. There was a there was a draw in there. It just didn't go well. Yeah, because they I, put BJ against Caluno. Yep. 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 I remember um, it well. How good is? I'm trying to remember. I do. I do remember that I liked watching him fight Draka close, close, close. Drakar. Drakar. Drakar close. Yeah. He's, he's a. God, he's a banger. He was good. He's a banger. He comes out and throws heavy. His last fight, I believe, was against. Benil Dariush, and he was getting touched, and then he was lighting Benil up, and then Benil lit him up with a shot that put him out. Uh, he's he's just a gamer. He's a yeah. tough, tough guy. Yeah, he comes to throw heavy shots. He's you know he's one of those you know I'm gonna live on the sword, die on the sword type. I'm not gonna back off. Yeah, Benil Dariush was his last fight. So uh, Louis Pena. On the ground has an advantage against him in the stand-up. He is not going to want to sling leather with him. Yeah, you know? and, and I like Pena. He's he's a talented guy. You know? He's he left AKA a couple fights ago. I want to say two fights ago, and now he's down in the American Top Team. And he loves it. He's like, look, this. He's like, nothing against AKA. He's like, just it's expensive to live in the Bay Area. He's down oh, there. He's like, there's ridiculous. less stress now on me just trying to make rent. You know, he's like, it's just so much better. So, Bob so, Ross, baby. Yeah, so I'm excited. I like it. He's a super nice guy. He, actually, he is. He's he used a good to help teach some of the kids wrestling program here at my gym for a little bit when he was here. Some some of the guys, when they come in, they don't they need a little extra cash. I'm like, hey, if you guys want to come teach some wrestling classes, I'll pay you. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, but uh, yeah, good stuff. I wish him luck. I just remember that, uh, what, Dracar is what you said? Yeah. Dracar I remember he, he had a tough fight, and I couldn't remember against who. And yeah. I remember it was fun though. I remember it was a great fight. To oh, he's had he's had some great fights, yeah. man. He he had a fight with uh, Lando Venata that was freaking good. Mm. They were they were beating the hell out of each other. He had the fight against um, oh, is it Mark the the Kaisei the guy? He's got the red. Yeah, Diakisi. He's from England. He's got the red mohawk. Yeah, and he's a good stand-up fight, dude. They were throwing on each other so he's had some he's had some fun fights yeah. he, he definitely comes to knock your head off and that's what makes him fun to watch 
All right, who else is on that card? Uh, that was a prelim, so on the, on the prelims, oops, we've also got... Mm-hmm. I clicked over there. Violet Bob Ross against... This is going to be a good one. Philip Haas, who's, you know, he's he's Philip's done the whole jump around and everything, but he's fighting Nazarene Amayavol. 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 Yeah, that's a... Phil, Phil was the guy that everyone was looking at. He was going to be the new big thing because he was mm-hmm. fighting out of Jackson Wink. He was a John Jones's training partner and everything, and he had a lot of uh, a lot of hype. And he came into the Dana White Contender Series and he lost. Uh, and uh, that was his first loss. You know, and he, he fought in a couple places, fought in Bellator. Um, now is back with the UFC. I think that he's actually got his game down now. He's super strong. He's a good wrestler. Uh, he's got good hands. He's got a good overall game. He just needs to settle down in the fight, and he does well. When he settles down, he does really well. When he's trying to, you know, just, you know, mad dog you and just crush you, he makes big mistakes. He gets tired. So he just needs to, you know, just be himself in this fight. Go out. When the wrestling's there, use it. Get the takedowns. Um, this is a good even fight, though. Yeah, being composed is very important. Just in <laughs> term, just across the board, when you guys get to when young fighters get to the level of whether it's the UFC or whether it's you know any other promotion, it's um you have to stay composed, relaxed. Don't let don't get angry. Don't get worked up. Try to find ways to just stay focused on what's in front of you, because otherwise you just start exuding too much energy, and then next thing you know you're you're gassing out, you got an adrenaline dump, and you're fighting from the bottom. And uh, that's one of those things that I feel like really caught up with Burns in this fight, this last fight with Usman, is he came out with a lot of energy, got pumped yep. up, and then it just like a, a little bit of an adrenaline dump, and then got clipped, and then it's just a snowball effect. It just starts. Yeah. You can't stop it. It's like quicksand. Hard to dig your heels it. in yeah. on that slope when it's slippery, man. Yeah, yeah, so... Um, all right. Well, hey, let's uh, let's roll in. We got we got a couple little special things for you guys today. But first, we want to say go to mybookie.ag or mybookie.com. And uh, God, I feel like I, I always <laughs> I say so much. Head up their uh, website and use the promo code Wayne in. And I uh, want to thank you guys for listening to us. Hit the thumbs up as well in our comment section. And also go, I read the comments so you guys know. I'm going to always be first, the first to comment, always. And uh, <laughs> people hate that I do that, but I love it. I could be 50th and I'll still put first. Wouldn't matter. Um, yeah, also hit the little bell off to the side to get the notifications. We've had several people hit me up in my social media on um, at the Real Punk. Hit me, slide into my DMs and say, hey, how, how come are you guys, I'm so excited you guys dropped. Da, da, da. I was like, well, hey. You guys, if you guys hit that little bell, it'll tell you when we drop. It'll notify you, and you guys can just watch right then. Let's get in. Dave, you got something special for us today. Yeah, so we're going to do a fan Q&A, but before we do that, we're going to warm up a little bit with a little pop quiz. Um, quiz. All right, but Josh, you need the rules because you always break the rules in these things, all right? So the rule is- You're not cheating. You're not trying, baby. (laughs) Let's go. Uh, I got 20 questions here that are one of the other answers, and you can only give those answers. If you want to discuss them afterwards and go into a bit more detail and elaborate, you're welcome to. But <laughs> after we do the whole test. After, so, it's, so it's 20 questions, all right, one or the other, and then you just kind of jump in and give your answer. So okay. whoever goes first goes first. It doesn't really matter. So we hit the button. 
Uh, oh, do, you have, do you have a button? <laughs> I don't have a button. <laughs> All right. Um, hit the mic. Yeah, there you go. Hit the mic. <laughs> so, so just pick one or the other. So if you don't understand it, um, then just pick one. It doesn't really Hey, matter. somebody said, because now you're talking a lot right now, somebody said that we need to have this little subtitles at the bottom of our YouTube oh, when you speak. <laughs> I think it's great. We need that for your CTE brain as well, though. What? Can you imagine if See, we... I couldn't understand what you just said. <laughs> See, that's the point. What kind of real-time subtitles okay. for you, buddy? <laughs> Let's go. Come up on the big screen here. You want me to type as it, well, what I'm saying as I'm talking? We can hear you type, by the way. I can oh, hear you God. through the microphone. <laughs> um, all right, ready? Here we go. So are we trying to are we trying to answer who answers first? It doesn't matter. Just answer and whoever okay. answers first answers. Okay. First. All right. So same walkout music or different walkout music for each fighter each time? Same. The same, the same or different? Same. Same. Okay. Always. Number two. It, it, it's a it's a trademark. It's a signature. He's breaking, the rules. breaking the rules. Breaking the rules. Oh, sorry, I'm breaking all the right. rules. Same. Number two. All gold all gold plated belt or color gold plated belt. Think of Bellator and UFC belts. All gold plated or all Col color gold plated, like Bellator's belt is red and black. Oh, Come oh, on. you mean like oh, like UFC uses all gold, and Bellator's is color plated gold. To, to me, it doesn't matter as far as the color. I thought I thought one of the best looking belts I've seen was actually that BMF. Breaking the rules again. Color. Oh shit. <laughs> color. Well, yeah, color. All right, number three: octagon or circle cage. Circle. Circle. Number four, knockout or submission? Submission. <sighs> knockout. Number five. <laughs> number five, crowd or no crowd? Crowd. 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 Number six, lightweights or welterweights? The fact that we had to think about that for a sec really <laughs> screwed it up. Right. No, I know. What was that? Number six, <laughs> lightweights or welterweights? Lightweights, duh. <laughs> welterweights. Number seven, <laughs> wrestling or boxing? Wrestling. Wrestling. Number eight, 25-foot cage or 30-foot cage? 25. Oh, 30. Number nine, <laughs> three rounds or five rounds? Five. Five. Number 10, Tron entrance or tunnel entrance? Tron, what's that? Like the Bellator Tron with the screen and all oh, that. Oh, Tron. I always, I always like the ramp. I love the ramp. You love the ramp? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, what was the other one? The tunnel, like the UFC is a tunnel, you know. So I don't, I don't, I don't like the tunnel, but I like the locker room. Sorry, <laughs> you, can, yeah, you can talk you're after. Talking. <laughs> Number eleven, bantamweights or heavyweights? Bantamweights. bantamweights. Okay. Number twelve, promotion attire sponsor or fighter attire sponsor? Fighter, fighter attire. Number thirteen, post fight interview or post fight presser? Presser. Uh, presser. Number fourteen. Two-man booth or three-man booth? I like three. Doesn't matter. Three, yeah. two, it's all good. 15, ring girls or stare-downs? Stare-downs. <laughs> ring girls. <laughs> 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 Number 16, touch gloves or middle finger? Middle finger. Touch gloves. Number 17, early weigh-ins or ceremonial weigh-ins? Oh, ceremony. Uh, wait, which one? Like early weigh-ins or ceremonial? Like early. Well, like you, you go. Hold on, you only get a ceremonial when you have the early weigh-in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, but that's what I'm saying. Do you prefer to just finding out the weight right up front like that, or do you prefer like the whole the I whole show? I prefer it all in one. Theatrics. 
Like I prefer the ceremony. Early is the way, real early way in. Early way in. Ceremony. All right. <laughs> Number eighteen, a full camp or short notice. Short notice. Oh man, more exciting. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, I think short notice. <laughs> short notice. There you go. <laughs> Number nineteen, colored gloves or black gloves with tape. Colored gloves. Yeah, I'm liking colored these days. Number twenty. Big John McCarthy or Josh Thompson? Josh Thompson. <laughs> Josh Thompson. Uh, you want to go with the little guy going? Uh, wow. Uh, oh, brutal. All right. All right. That was uh, that was tough. <laughs> what was the first one? Um, the first one was uh, yeah. So as you can see, I really I really milked that one. Uh, the first one was the same music or different music on walkouts. I can't think of a better like way to that. word that. Well, no, no, no that was, was good. It was good. I was just saying, like he said, same, and I said same. The reason why we said same is because if you're if you're first in your your first fight in the UFC or Bellator, wherever, use the same music and always use the same because then fans attach that to you. If you're trying to build your brand, do that. Like you know, but it's, make sure that it's something that you know is not gonna. You know, Uriah had uh, Calif- what? California California Love or whatever it was. Wonder Boy. You know, and then Wonder Boy has it, and then uh, Matt Hughes had. Um, Country boy, country boy. Darren Till is sweet Caroline, right? Which is a big, which is huge because British fans love that. Yeah. So I mean, like you just attach it to, you attach your name to that. It just makes it easier. As soon as they hear the music, boom! It's like the crowd goes crazy. They know you're walking out. If it's a new song, that's one thing that I always wish I would have done from the beginning, and I never did. Um, there was a couple more in there. They, so, oh, the weigh in one. Yep. I prefer the original. Weigh in at four, three o'clock or whatever, four o'clock, and you weigh in and you actually get to face off right there versus this morning weigh in stuff. I don't know. I know it's better for the fighters to weigh in earlier, but. Yep. And then uh, the only other one was that was probably confusing was the color plated belt versus the gold plated oh, belt. Oh, yeah. Because I was trying yeah. to just differentiate between do you like, because the new UFC belt has colors, yeah. it has the black strap across it, and, yeah. you know, Bellator has gold and uh, black and red, but then there's it like, all gold. I actually like the Bellator the best, so I, I thought it'd be interesting to find out what you guys like. Yeah, yeah. Let, and let, the the color belt thing is great, but you you did the thing on the the circle cage or the octagon. Yeah, and the only reason I picked the circle cage is it's better for a judge to watch the fight in that circle. The, the actual best shape for the judges and the people that are working the fights was the Strike Force hexagon. It had a giant panel and you could see there was never a point where the fighters could be in a corner that you couldn't see them because that happens all the time yeah. in an octagon and it kind of happened in the round cage because the panels on strike forces cage were so long that you could see all the way to that point so that's why i picked the circle it's not there's really no difference yeah. the only difference is when the octagon was first made they didn't have they weren't even thinking about curving pipe so it was made into an octagon because it was straight panels. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> That's how old this shit is. Jason Kusan, man. <laughs> Shout out to Jason Kusan, the man that actually put the octagon together. Interesting. But a couple more. Give me a little bit. Uh, the Tron entrance or the tunnel entrance. Just that more kind of yeah. historical. I like. So the tunnel ones are, are good. It's not even so much the tunnel as much as I like when I see the fighter the door opens and they walk out of their locker room. Like to me, that like, you, you you like the walk where they're filming them all yes, the way. Yes, I like. Yeah, that. I like that too. That's I like good. That. It but just, I, it gives me that vibe of like, okay. Hey. The other thing is a fighter. 
you're not fucking freezing your ass off in the tunnel while you're waiting for them to say, okay, go ahead and walk. Like, yeah. as a fighter, to me, that was the worst feeling. Especially, I fought in San Jose a lot. Well, San Jose is a hockey rink. It's cold in there. It's always freaking cold in there. So, if they, they load you, they put you on deck, and you're out there for 20 minutes. You've lost your sweat, and you're, like, freezing. And you're all wet because you were sweating. Your clothes are kind of wet. And So, for me, I always wanted to walk from the locker room. I love that better. But you think about this. Think of all the walkouts and stuff you did. You know, you, you were on a ramp a lot in Strike Force. You were on a ramp in, in uh, Pride. Yeah, all those different ones. And then the UFC used to have a ramp when you first were were fighting there. That's true. And then they took the ramp away. Now they they, they have a reason that they said they took the ramp away. It wasn't true. It was because of money. Yeah, of course. And so they they just went to back then. You know, they were losing money, so they just went to the straight boxing walkout, and they've stayed with it ever since. But I've always liked the fact when they put the fighter up where everyone can see him, you know, not just because you have a, uh, you know, a camera on him or something like that, where the, the fans can see the fighters. And that's the one thing I love about the ramps. You know, the, it's, it's singling out that fighter. I agree with that portion of it all. I, I like the idea of them walking from the locker room. But the one thing I think as a promotion, what you're saying for the UFC, they, it costs a lot of money to put that on, that, that walkout and all that. Well, they used to do, if you remember, they started, you know, with the the ramp at UFC 30 when Zufa took over. Yeah, and part of it was I'll, I'll tell you straight out. We were at the Mark Edis Arena in uh, the Trump Taj Mahal. That's how Dana kind of got his relationship with you know, Donald Trump and stuff. But we were in the uh, Mark Edis Arena the day before the show, and they were doing a uh, a safety. Uh, stage of the fireworks because they had Tito Ortiz was going to be fighting Evan Tanner and they had this whole big walkout with the ramp and this fireworks show fireworks going off inside yeah. of the arena the streaming things of Tito going down and stuff and it was they had to do a practice run for the fire marshals so they could see that everything was okay and they could you know write off on it and say yeah you can do this so they have to do this whole fireworks thing so i'm standing there with lorenzo fertita and he's talking he says you believe i gotta pay for this shit twice he goes this is fifty thousand dollars right here right he goes so he said so instead of paying 50 i have to pay 100 because i got to do it the night of the show i go this is costing you fifty thousand dollars just to do a practice run he goes yeah i got to do it so this guy over here will allow us to do it during the show so that was part of it was like we're not going to spend a hundred thousand dollars on fireworks you know we're losing money so they kind of got rid of all of you know, but it was, it was, you know, I, they did a really good job with a lot of what the staging they did at a certain point, you know, because you got to figure pride was a big thing at the time. They had the, the, yeah, the whole ramp thing. And so they were kind of, yeah. And they were kind of following that. And they, they did a good job with the, the walkouts that they, they put on. But then as they grew though, the, the benefit of getting rid of that was that now you can sell more tickets there in That's those exactly seats. exactly it. And those are more a lot of money in those tickets. That's yeah. right. A lot of money. Those, each one of those of seats. Instead of losing money, yeah. you're making money. Yeah. And each one of those seats is about 700 to to $1,000 on that floor yep. all the way up to the ramp. Um, okay. I guess let's jump into these fan questions, buddy. Let's go. Let's right. go. Number uh, one comes from Austin B. He wants to know, for John, who is the most confident fighter you've ever seen right before a fight and then i'll ask josh is next (laughs) (laughs) 
I can tell you it wasn't Josh. Uh, what are you talking about? <laughs> oh man, uh, you cut me honestly, deep, Shrek. You cut I, me I, real I, deep. I, I'm just, I'm being honest. <laughs> the most confident fighter most of the time, Frank Shamrock. Yeah, yes. Frank Shamrock, extremely confident. Every time I go to talk to him, man, super confident. The one time that I knew that he was going to have a problem was when he was fighting Nick Diaz. He knew you could see it. Wasn't quite as confident. <laughs> No oh, man, yeah, he's is it, same question to me. Uh, your most nervous opponent you've ever faced? Uh, most that I was the most nervous. Most nervous opponent you've ever faced. So who was the most? Who I guess it sounds like who's the most nervous coming in to face you? Oh, I mean, I would probably say someone like probably I would know, but I'm saying like someone like a Bronzolis, you know, maybe an Ash Bowman. Uh, who else? I don't know. I mean, I've had several of them say like how nervous they were, but you know, they fought their asses off. <laughs> so, <laughs> was, you know, um, were there yeah. any nervous? You want were there any the, times you were nervous? The, the for? one I was nervous for was Patricky, just because I knew I was older and I just couldn't afford to get hit with him. You know, that was the biggest thing. You know, next one. Next one from Dayton Kurtz. Who's the best fighter that was never in the UFC besides Fedor Emelianenko? Well, let's hear it, Josh. Who was? Who's the best fighter that was never in the UFC? Besides Fedor. God, best fighter or just the most fun fighter? <laughs> you know? There's a there's a couple you could really go to. Was it, did Volchenchen yeah, ever some, fight in the UFC? No. Igor Volchenchen yes. would be one that I would have said. Volchenchen. That was one of the first ones. At the time, Igor Volchenchen was a monster. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he would he would be somewhere on the list. There's a guy named Kaladov, who has fought. Uh, man, he fought in Elite XC. He's fought in every organization under the sun, and he's won at all of them. Uh, he normally fights for KSW. I believe he's their light heavyweight. Used to be their middleweight. Now he's the light heavyweight champion. Might be, or I could be wrong about one of the two. But he he was the middleweight champion there. I believe 185. Uh, he also went to. Uh, I want to say ACB and he fought there. He's really, he's had a impressive career and never been in the UFC. So mm -hmm. I would say Bo Chanchin would be, you know, probably the number one that I would have come up with. Yeah. He was the first one that came to my mind. Well, I was thinking in terms of like pride days and other people that I could think of off the top of my head. Who's the best that's not in UFC right now? Douglas Lima, Patricio Ferrer, Patricio. But Hey, I think I, think, I, I, I can't yeah, say his last name right. Pitbull, <laughs> I would I would say Patricio. I take Patricio over Douglas. Nothing against Douglas. I think Patricio over Douglas though. Um, well, I think the biggest problem for me with Douglas is I want to see Douglas and Kamaru Usman. I think it's a great fight. Yeah, I would love to see those two guys fight. It would be so such a good matchup. Douglas's wrestling defense is outstanding. Now his kicks are unbelievable as far as how hard they are. And so it would just be a great fight between two great fighters. Yeah. In a five-round fight, yeah. It would be nasty. I, I think Patricio and Volkanovski, Patricio would have a hard time, I think, with, with uh, Max and with Brian Ortega, but I think he could still get it done. But it'd be a tough. those would be tougher fights for him than Volkanovski would. Size does matter. <laughs> you know, so length. when it comes, yeah, length, reach, all those things. But but I, I'm, not, I'm sorry, but I just can't count that guy out. 
he just he fucking hits too hard. His wrestling takedowns is fucking too damn good. And uh, his mindset is just completely different than a lot of people realize. He's good. So those, oh, I would say, yeah, those two. You know, AJ McKee. He'd be another one. You know, that's the fight that I think everyone's, people aren't, they can't sleep on that fight. If Patricio gets past Emmanuel Sanchez, him and AJ McKee, to me, those are the, probably the two best featherweights right now in the world. You know, and I, I know I'm going to catch a lot of flack for that, but you know, oh what? yes, you're a homer. I don't have a hard time saying that. <laughs> you know, and I'm not trying to take anything away from the other. We're really just realistically, when I say that they're the two best, you're splitting hairs. Like on any given night, AJ could beat Max Holloway. On any given night, AJ could beat uh, well Brian Ortega. On any given well, night, Patricio and Volkanov. It could happen. And when, but when you say on any given night, this, this is the point. Max Holloway in his last fight. On that night, there was nobody that could beat him. Yeah. We nobody said that. In the we said that. Nobody. Nobody was going to beat Max Holloway that night. He fought that well. He was that in tune. He was that zoned in. Nobody on that night was going to beat him. And you, and you have that, you know, that can be that night for any of these guys. They can have that night. So, you know, on, on any given night, one could beat the other. And on any given night, you can come in and look like shit. You know, and that's happened a lot Absolutely. to a lot of people. You know, yep. it's it's your, you really don't know until you get in there. There's times, I I want to say it was, who was it that said it was Rashad or Forrest? Someone said it. it's like, there's times where I'm in the back warming up going, man, this ain't my night. All oh, you're trying to do man. is just get through it. And you're trying to just scrape through the rounds and get through there and like, just come away with the win. You don't care how you get it. You know, um, there's been those nights. There's been nights for like that for me, and I'm sure I, I don't know a lot of the other guys that I've trained with. They've said, "Man, I went there, wasn't feeling good, felt like shit." You know, just di didn't have it. Had no pop. I'm hitting mitts. Even coaches have said, "Like, yeah, he looked like shit." But hey, we still got the win. That's all we care about. So on any given night, you know, that's the thing. Max looked great, and like Volkanovski called it out right after Max's fight. He's like, "Yeah, he don't look that way in front of me though." So styles make match matchups, and that's the what that's what makes this sport so fun, man. That's what's great about it. Yep. Next one. Nate Jammer Jr. says, Josh, do you ever con did you ever contemplate taking a fight at 145? I've heard you mention that you walked around at 70 out of camp, so I cut the featherweight doesn't sound out of the question. No, I did fight at 143. Fought at 143 against Kid Yamamoto. That's the fight that got me into the UFC. Dana White signed me after that fight. He signed all of us after that fight. That whole card was stacked. We had Pete Spratt, Eves Edwards, uh, Cabbage, uh, Cabbage. We had um, Robbie Lawler. You know, he was the the big signing, I think, from that time because he was only 19 years old and he, there was a ton of hype around him. He was just starching dudes. Hell, he even signed the matchmaker. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Sean Shelby, yep. He signed That's Sean it. Shelby from that. So good stuff, man. They were able to put together a great card. that we, It was called Shogun in Hawaii. The card was stacked. Everyone was there. All the top, you know, Dwayne Ludwig got signed from that fight as well. There was a ton of people on that card. We all got signed right, right from there. We were considered to be the best uh, fighters. I took that fight on two weeks' notice. Made made 143 pounds, cut down from 169 at the time, in two weeks to 143. Yeah, it was uh, Phil Philip Perez was supposed to fight. Got knocked out holding pads for one of his buddies, and uh, two weeks before, so he couldn't fight. And so I slid into that spot, and the rest is history. Yep, I didn't want to do it ever again though. 143 was horrible. I, I don't like to starve, man. I still want to eat. So I got a little bit of Mexican in me, man. I got to eat them tacos. <laughs> so. 
I got a lot of Mexican in me then. <laughs> I got a lot of Mexican in me and it's not genetics. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next one. B-Man wants to know, this is for both Jays. Uh, what's your favorite all-time uh, fight or walkout in any fighting organization or boxing? Oh, easy. Genki Sudo. Oh, yeah. Genki Sudo had the greatest walkout. I want to say that it was in deep. It might have been Heroes, but I think it was in deep. What's his name? And it was Genki Sudo. Genki. G-E-N-K-I. Just 1K. Just 1K. There, Sudo. Go entrance. There you go. Yeah. Watch this. It was in Heroes. It was in Heroes. Not that one? I want to say it was in. Yeah, Yeah. watch this. Genki Sudo was, he was, he was just an unbelievable guy. And he always he always used to have a flag that would say we are all one. Yep. And after every fight, he would he would uh, pull onto that flag, and he was just a special guy. Yeah, his walkouts were incredible. He would break dance in the fight. I oh yeah. He, I remember when he fought um, Dwayne Ludwig. He was popping and locking in the very first round. Yep. I mean, he had some good stuff, man. That was a fight that changed rules, man. What happened to that rule, dude? That fight was the fight where Genki had broken. Dwayne Ludwig's nose badly in the fight. And he was on top of him uh, in the third round and he was going to win the fight. And I ended up stopping the fight and having to take, cause the blood was, it was just spewing out of Dwayne mm-hmm. took him to the doctor. And back then you could not put them back in the same position. If you had stopped it for the doctor, you had to put them to their corners and restart it from a standing position and it wasn't fair and so genki loses the position and Dwayne ends up uh knocking genki down and and just keeping him on the ground and hitting him with big shots and he ended up winning the fight on a decision yeah. where he wouldn't have and so you know, we went back and said hey man you either tell me okay we because they they wanted you to bring the the fighter to the doctor because they were concerned about the way things looked back then because the fight the sport was still in its infancy and having problems. I said, you either tell me don't do it or what do you want? I said, because it's not fair that what I, what happened in that fight and they go, no, we need a rule change. And so that rule change yeah. came about where, Oh, you put them back in the same position. Him and I were scheduled to fight. I would say we were the Khabib and Tony fight. He was the Khabib and Tony fight for me. We were supposed to fight maybe I'd say five or six times. So I was supposed to fight him in pride twice. I think, that didn't happen. And then there was talk of me fighting him in Heroes. That didn't happen. I was supposed to be in that tournament where the kid Yamamoto, him, uh, was it Hoyler? They were all in that tournament. And I was supposed to be one of them in there too. He and beat Hoyler. Yeah, he knocked him out. Yep. Yeah, yeah. But I was supposed to fight. I was supposed to fight in that tournament with them. There was supposed to be a, I think it was an eight-man tournament. I was supposed to be in that tournament. Didn't happen. And, um, yeah, we were supposed to fight several times. I think him and I were scheduled to fight to be the opening fight in that tournament and it never happened. And then after that, he, I want to say he came to the UFC after that or before, but I was supposed to fight him in the UFC also. And that didn't happen. Well, Genki had some of the greatest walkouts and it wasn't just one. It was always, oh, he had all, all kinds of different ones Yeah, and they were all just bent. They were all choreographed and, yeah. and just everything that he would do in it. And then there was, you know, let's let's go and say a couple other guys just to, you know, give them the honorable mention. Dave Rickles in Bellator, 
did some fantastic walkouts. He walked, he did a walkout with a dinosaur. He did one with the Flintstone mobile. It was actual Flintstone. I took a picture in that damn thing. It was so cool. (laughs) He did all kinds of different walkouts that were really good. Yeah. You know, he, he really did a good job. And so, you know, some guys are just fun with that stuff. Remember, he did the mannequin challenge. He got the whole Bellator crowd oh, yeah. to be part whole of it, crowd, which was yeah. crazy. That was. Yeah, they did the mannequin challenge, the, and the whole crowd was part of it. It was pretty awesome. There was yep. that. And then what was the other one, the other Japanese guy, Gono? Was it Gono? Uh, Akira Gono? So one of them, he had like a, remember he used to kind of dress like in like geisha type clothing, and he yeah. would come out and do dances. I mean, you know, just different stuff. There was there was several fighters that had like some great walkouts. Look, I'm more of a traditional guy. I just, I think the music has something to do with it. I love Genki Sudo to me had the best walkouts, but when it came oh, yeah. down to it, I was more of like, uh, Anderson would come out to like a hard, you know, DMX, you know, beat or, or, uh, Matt Hughes would come out to country boy can't survive. It was just yep. that to me just is, is legendary things like that. I remember Genki Sudo's were just, just fun. They were just absolutely amazing. Yeah. So same with Ruckles. Next one. Uh, next question uh, for Josh and John. Oh, sorry, that's that's not for both you guys from Ocean Zero. What fighter didn't live up to the hype that you were both surprised didn't? Uh, Mike Van Arsdale. I mean. Damn. Look at you, man. You're harsh on your teammate. Well, I just, here's the thing is I knew, I knew what he had, but he just mentally didn't have that, that fighter in him. You know, he was so damn good. I mean, if you saw him, there was other guys too that I could say, but no one would know who they were because they only fought one time and he never fought again. But, uh, he had the pedigree of just as good, if not better than Mike Van Arsdale. You know, it beat Dave Schultz, it beat all these other guys, you know, and just just never came to fruition. But Mike Van Arsdale, though, he literally had all the ability, all the talent, all the he he could have been. He, you would have thought he was in phenomenal shape. He just mentally wasn't in shape, you know. And so when it came down to it, he would talk. He would tell himself he was tired and he was tired. <laughs> You know, and but I can do the flip side of this whole conversation. The person that lived up to it more than I thought he would, Herschel Walker. Like, I didn't know what to expect from him, but God, mentally tough that guy was. Absolutely phenomenal. Obviously, he was 48 years old when he fought, but I remember him being in the back. He's just like, there's just no way I'm losing. And don't get me wrong, he didn't fight the world beaters, but he fought guys that had way more experience than him. You know what I mean? And and that was the thing. Like, for him to fight these guys, I was like, wow, this is, this is crazy. You're 48 years old. Like you've been, tr- he dedicated his life to, to, to come. He lived in, in AKA lived in a hotel the whole time while he was training for his fights. Very committed, very dedicated to what he was doing. Absolutely amazing. The flip side was Mike Van Arsdale. You know, who do you got? Uh, you know, I would go with, um, uh, probably, I, I hate to say this, if you're going to say the guy that hasn't lived up to the hype, even though he's still a good fighter, um, he's fighting, um, coming up against Chris Weidman in a rematch. Uriah Hall. Uh, Uriah Hall. I, I would say that he's the guy that, you know, hasn't lived up to what the hype was coming up, you know, and, and a lot of the hype was because of his knockouts in the ultimate fighter and stuff. But 
you know, he was just that guy that, you know, physically talented yeah. and just fell into traps of, uh, not believing in himself, I think, and, uh, doubting and, you know, has all the talent in the world. He can be a world beater. He can be a world champion. He just hasn't quite lived up to what people expected of him, I think. Yeah. And that's, that, that's not the worst one. That's just one that I wanted to I'd look at because he's still fighting and he's still fighting well. He just needs to believe in himself. Yeah. Happens. Next yep. one. Next question is from S and he asks, or they ask, uh, do you think fans look back in fighters of old with rose tinted glasses? Like people who say prime BJ Penn could beat Khabib. <laughs> yeah. Do do I think what? Do you think like they look back and like kind of like overhype them essentially? No, no, no. I I think those I think look a prime BJ Penn, I don't know if he would have beat Khabib. I think he had the style to beat Khabib. You know, he had a someone super flexible, his jujitsu at the time. I think if he had the newer age jiu-jitsu, if you were to correlate, like, hey, he was a world-class jiu-jitsu guy now. You got to understand, BJ's jiu-jitsu game was, it was like next level to the top jiu-jitsu guys then. Just his style of his omoplatas, his flexibility, all the things that he did. Those were things that other guys weren't doing then at the time. That's why he was so so successful. So if you if you want to say like if I was to take it now he'd be considered like a Gordon Ryan or whatever like now at that level but in in all aspects but more everywhere he had a little bit of Ryan Hall in him he had a little bit of Gordon Ryan he had all these different abilities that not people had people hadn't seen yet so if I was to put him against BJ I mean it would be a, an absolute wonderful fight an amazing fight I don't know who would win you know because Styles would make matchups but you also got to take into consideration as well. Sambo is that sport that they've done jujitsu, they've done judo, they've done like they do all this stuff all together, and they've trained it their whole life since they were a kid. And you know, leg locks is something they were special they, they specialized in. You know, uh, Sambo did, and BJ jujitsu guys were not great at stopping leg locks. You know, so if you were to say that, but then BJ or Khabib doesn't really use leg locks a whole lot. He's good at them, but he doesn't use them a whole lot when he fights. It's more control. Styles make matches, but BJ did always have a hard time with guys that can control the top position. And Khabib was great at that. You know, um, but the flexibility would play a factor. I mean, I look back at these things and of course I always wonder, but it's hard. Okay. I'm just going to be honest here. I love BJ. And BJ was special at one time, but Khabib was the, the type of fighter that gave BJ fits. Yep. Guys, guys that did not fall into uh, having the problem of being in a garden and not and allowing someone to control their head position in their hands and, and put them in places. That's not Khabib. That's not what he does. And he would have caused BJ a lot of problems. Yeah. So you, you when you look back and you, you're, you're looking back at MMA as far as time periods, and when BJ came up, it's exactly what Josh is saying. He was special. And it is, you know, no one understood the true importance of certain flexibility when it came to jujitsu and what it could do for you until BJ and a guy named Eddie Bravo. Let's yeah. just be honest. Eddie Bravo created a system that for MMA, a lot of it is still fantastic as far as 
the what his idea was in creating this to, to come up with this position and control and be able to hit, not be hit. You know, the flexibility that Eddie Bravo brought into jujitsu and that BJ Penn displayed in jujitsu when he was competing, it changed the game and everything changes the game somewhere along the, the line. And it's that's what has progressed us to what we have as a sport today, too. So, you know, take nothing away from, you know, what BJ did. BJ was special when he was fighting. See, I say the same thing, and I'm not, I'm not trying, trying to pick sides because both of them are my teammates, and I've trained with both of them for a long, a long time. But if you look, if I look at like what Khabib did to Connor on his high crotch takedown, sat him. In that same scenario, if you, when you put BJ against Matt Hughes, when Matt Hughes tried to do that, BJ got to his back and choked him out. But do, but you take the flip side. If he's able to get through that position. BJ had a hard time just getting guys off of him from his back. I mean, he had different ways of using his flexibility to get back to his feet, and he had great, great balance. He hit like a truck. You know, I think that was the one thing. Like a lot of a lot of the guys that he had a hard time with were guys that were, were he fought at 170. They were all big guys. But you put him in the 155-pound <laughs> weight class, and Khabib's a big guy, but he's still not as big as Matt Hughes. He's still not as big as GSP. You know what I mean? Like he's a big guy, but when it comes fight time, fight night, he's not as big as those guys. Well, you think know? about BJ, BJ fought at 145. Yep. He's fought at 155. He fought at 170. He fought at 185. He fought at super heavyweight. Well, yeah. excuse me, heavyweight. Yeah. You know? He's fought everywhere. I mean, not many guys can say they fought at all those different. Look at the range. Yeah. And he, crazy. he, he that's the one thing people don't, he doesn't get enough credit for is he, when he was in his prime, his tr he translated to his strength translated across the board against everybody. He was physically pretty strong, like, and he hit super hard. I mean, if you guys recall, did, I want to say he dropped him or he rocked him was Lyoto Machida. He hit him with that overhand right, right, and sat him to his butt, or he rocked him. And I mean, he, that was back. That was that was a heavyweight. You yeah, know? And, that was the uh, heavyweight fight. And I mean, everyone, you can't forget the Carluno fight where he just starched him and folding him back over his own body it was insane so i mean his his power and his flexibility and and his strength all translated across the board in all weight classes it just makes for a very interesting conversation to have you know both guys are absolutely phenomenal well back the go if you go back again and you see, you look at when bj was going to fight matt the second time yeah no was it the first time or the second time i want to not sure when he took the welterweight title first time he went and trained up at uh, Team Quest, and he was training with Matt Lillen and Randy Couture, and they were having fits with him. Yeah. Randy was talking to me, telling me, he says, I'm telling you, this guy's made of fucking rubber. Yeah. He goes, I'm taking this guy, and he's popping right back up. He goes, I've never seen a guy like him. And he says, Matt Hughes is in trouble. <laughs> you know, he, was, he was just in awe of what BJ could do. And th that was my thing is like, I trained with him for a lot of years. You take him down and he, he, his flexibility, he could fall down on one leg and you had his other leg and you had, he would just stand up on the other leg and he, he made a career out of that. But yep. in doing that though, people figured out that you can't do that for, for three or five rounds because it makes it, it's exhausting. So sure. He was a practice. He was phenomenal in practice and he hit hard in practice, but like, like you're saying with Randy Couture, when he was talking about this, is that they take him down, but he pops right back up. I think that's where I think that, B, that Khabib would have some issues with him. And the other thing as well is that BJ, even though his stand-up 
it was clean. There was moments in his career where it was super clean, but he hit really, really hard. And Khabib is there to be hit, you know? And in those exchanges, in the clinches, all those things, BJ hits super hard. Khabib hits really hard, but on the ground. When he's on top of you, his ground and pound is nasty. On the feet, not as much. But on the ground, he's like, I mean, I don't want to overemphasize, but he's it's like almost like baby Fedor. It's... It doesn't have the wind up and the and the way Fedor looked doing it, yeah. but Khabib hits freaking hard from the from the top position. It's it's nasty with sixteen ounce gloves. Let me just tell you, it's painful. Can't imagine with little <laughs> MMA gloves. No, thank you. So, next question. Uh, next question comes from Alex Be- uh, Macbeth, and he asks, uh, Josh, did you feel any differences when fighting in different shaped cages and did you have to make any changes when fighting in the different shapes? And John, did you need to referee any differently when fighting in different shapes? Or, sorry, referee in different shapes. No, I didn't change anything. Guy's still in front of you, still got to fight him. <laughs> doesn't change, <laughs> doesn't change a damn thing. For uh, for me, the, the only thing that changes is when it goes into a ring with ropes. It changes a lot of the things you do. You have to uh, be at different angles. Some of it helps you, you know, when you're in a ring, it makes it easier, but you do have to control ropes, you know, and there, there's a big difference, but cage wise, they didn't matter. Next. Next, next question is from Joseph Belote, and he wants to know who's calling the fights for Bellator and Showtime. Is it the A team over here? Good question. Who's, who's calling those, Josh? I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> We will find out. We There's, will find out. We'll let them. Uh, they'll, they'll, we'll let them tell us. <laughs> That's it. And, and I'm, I'm being completely honest. No one's called me. I have no idea. Josh, no. there no. you go. No, I know that we still. I know that we both still have jobs. <laughs> That's what I know. That's all I care about. <laughs> yeah. Um, from James McAfee, he wants to know, Josh, did you ever have a fight where you were really robbed and wanted to protest but didn't? <laughs> I did protest and didn't win, <laughs> but didn't. <laughs> it would, it would, re- it really would just be the last fight that I had with Patricky, and I wouldn't say I was robbed. It just was a shitty situation to be in. That's all. Uh, I got headbutted, got rocked, and then got dropped right after, and fight was over. It all happened so fast, and you protest it. You can, and as much as I like to give John a hard time. But it's it's not John's fault, you know. In position, it hap- everything happens so fast. It's not John's fault. I get more upset with the fucking seven people on the board that look at <laughs> that actually look at the evidence and still don't change anything. That's the type of shit that I get upset about. Like it's you're dealing with politicians. You're not dealing with people that really know anything about the sport. They don't know shit, you know. And as much as I like Andy Foster, he really has no say in really what goes on outside those seven people. They dictate and say what the hell's going on and. It's fucking annoying, you know, and I can imagine every other fighter that came before me that tried to protest something, you know, that is blatant that it's a it's upsetting. That would be the only one. The rest of them. Look, they're all close fights that I lost. Sucks. Shitty decision was horrible, you know, in my eyes. But hey, it was close enough to say it could have went the other way. And it did. And it is what it is. And John, when do you think it's too old to get uh, to go pro in MMA? Uh, when you say too old, that, that really depends on the person and the, um, outlook of what they expect. The expectations <clears throat> are a huge part of, well, why are you going to fight in MMA? If, if you go and you say, 
look, I've gone to the gym. I am 38 years of age and I've been now training in MMA for the last four years and I love it. And I just want to go test myself and, and see how I would do in an actual fight. I see no problem with that at all. As long as you're matched up with somebody of a similar experience and age set, you know, there's nothing wrong with it at all. Uh, if you're expecting at the age of 38, we'll say to, uh, I'm going to go and I'm, I'm going to start fighting and I will be the UFC or Bellator champion in the next five years. Okay. You're, you're, you're fooling yourself. Mm-hmm. Ain't going to happen. And your expectations are, they're just, uh, not feasible or, you know, they're ridiculous. I'm just telling you straight yeah. out. So, you know, it's, uh, it all depends on what your expectations are. Two more, two more, two more. All right, that's let's an, go. This is the most popular one, so I got to ask it. Um, question for John: What was the craziest Conor McGregor fight you witnessed in the cage? Uh, I mean, if you're gonna say uh, the, the his fight with Jose Aldo, if you're gonna say the craziest, you know, you don't. You had a, a guy in in Aldo who had for years held that belt. A guy who had had, you know, how many title defenses? And then he loses in 13 seconds. Okay. That's not something you expect. So, you know, if you look at what Connor did, he set that up and uh, he had watched what Aldo likes to do. And he kind of set him up to throw and he countered with his left hand over it and caught him good, but he got hit at the same time. It's just that his landed flusher and, you know, he went out. I, I always like the fact when people, uh, <laughs> when that fight happened, you got to figure I start the fight. Well, Aldo is what we call orthodox style and McGregor is a Southpaw. And when I start the fight, I'm back here and they start. So I have what is called the closed side for the fighters and I need to get around so I can see their open side because I'll see more if there's a foul or anything like that. So then, you know, I start the fight and I start to swing around and I had just stopped moving when all of a sudden, whoop, whoop, boom, and I see him falling, and I'm now running to get Connor off of him. And there's people out there say, oh, John, you knocked him out with a knee. Well, I can tell you, <laughs> not true, okay? Just, you know, it's flat out. And I will tell you, you know, you feel when you hit, you hit a fighter because there's times when I've hit fighters. You know, I, my arm has hit him or my leg has hit him as I'm trying to pull somebody off. You know, that one, there was nothing there. So, nope. You know, Connor did all the work. He did all the damage. And it was the most impressive, you know, victory. If you're looking at a title fight against a guy that was a supreme champion, you can't get any better. Didn't you break Brian Johnson's nose in UFC 3? No, I bloodied it, though. <laughs> I did not break it, but I did bloody it. He swears up and down you broke it. Okay. <laughs> like, if like I broke it, he would have had to have it fixed. Yeah. No, I did bloody nose. it, though. Yeah, I know. He's a good man. All right, last one. All right, last one. Another popular one from Devin L asks: Usman versus Nathan Diaz. How would it go? Oh, oh my God! Why is that so Come popular? On. Come on, that's a, that's a popular question. question. He would get he, he, he would he would get destroyed. He's be... gonna eat. He's gonna eat Nate up, and you know they're just at different levels right now. There's a, their size is different. Everything the about strength, strength and size. Wrestling. Nate's not Nate. Nate has the ability to box very well. If Usman decided he wanted to try to box with him, I, I don't think Usman's going to just sit there and straight out box with Nathan. He's going to take and he's going to take Nate down. And although Nate is great 
with his jujitsu, it's tough to submit a guy that knows what he's doing. You know, just throwing on a submission, especially against a big, strong guy. And I, I guarantee you that Usman is stronger than Nate. Um, it's, it's just not a good matchup yeah. right now for Nate. Yeah, Nate is not physically strong. I, and people want to maybe give me a hard time about it. When, but when I fought him, there's no strength. He's not strong. You know, um, the other thing as well is that Us, the, the history has the history of Nate's problems and not just Nate, even his brother, Nick, they've always had a hard time with really good wrestlers, wrestlers. good wrestlers that could hold them down, get busy, get to work and that were strong. You know, they always had a hard time with and, them and understand it. Some submission defense. Yes. Yeah. So when you're having that conversation, like we're not, and I'm a Nate and Nick fan, but the, oh, yeah. stylistically, they don't match up well against Usman at all. So. There you go, Devin. Uh, there are no stupid questions, only stupid people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, all right, guys. Well, hey, I want to thank you guys for tuning in. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed this show. Hit the thumbs up uh, in the bottom there. Let's try and get 5,000 likes if we can, at least 5,000 likes if we can. And also hit that little uh, bell off to the side, get the notifications on when this drops. So hopefully, you guys enjoyed this Q&A. I love that little test that Dave did. Um, <laughs> some of the questions need to be explained a little bit better, but hey, <laughs> first time. Just answer, just answer. But I thought the it was, I thought it was the, good. The best part is I couldn't even follow the rules of don't, don't try to explain. <laughs> After he just couldn't explained, you that, guys got to follow the rules. That's why I yeah. literally went through. The, I'm like, these two are just too, <laughs> horrible. too opinionated not to get into this. <laughs> We're nerds. When it comes to this uh, stuff, we want to give you an explanation I, of why. got to give you the full way. reason. Yeah, we understand that. <laughs> And uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed this show, man. Uh, I thought it was fun. I love that little that little pop that quiz. Fun. That was a good little idea there, That was buddy. a good one. Podcast I, Dave. I don't like he to gets give a Podcast star. Dave a lot of credit. He gets a star for, for the show. Yes, he does. Golf clap. Right. There you go. Very nice. Very <laughs> nicely done, my man. Um, is there anything else? The only thing else we have is Joshua. See you later. <laughs>